0: Welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I'm this week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me are my co-hosts, Dixie Cochran. Hello. And Danielle Lazon. Hello. How are you both doing today?
1: Tired. <laughs>
0: Mood. <laughs> Mood.
1: I mean, aren't, aren't, aren't you always tired? Because I am. I am. Okay, so... I got uh, started using a CPAP, and it has really Ooh. it decreased the amount of tired that I am during the day. But I also have puppies, which kind of balances that out.
2: <clears throat> also, you have giant puppies. Like you didn't go the like easy route and gigantic. get little little puppies that you could just like. Move. They're just
1: little boys. I don't know what you're talking about. I, no, those
2: those <laughs> dogs are, are, are lords. They're, they're, lords just, they're dogs. just
1: little baby boys. <laughs> this,
2: is, this is this is the difference between dog people and cat people. It's like I see dogs that size and I'm like basically a, a, a wild animal that could eat me. Oh, and I just don't. Baby boys. No, they're they're they giant no slavering dogs. They're
1: just <laughs> little baby boys.
2: I've always like I I don't want a dog bigger than a Corky. Like that's that's the maximum size of dog I'm comfortable with in my house.
0: You see, I'm I, I'm I'm with Danielle, and since I, I look at uh, my my you know sixty kilo boxer, and she's like, oh, she's my baby girl. Look at my cute baby girl, and she's like. You know, she jumps up and knocks <laughs> us over.
2: And this is why I didn't write on Realms of Pugmire TV, but I did write on Curious Cats of Mel. <laughs> because I'm like, dogs are fine. Like, I like my friends' dogs. I'm cool with most dogs. I don't like very big dogs. And I don't like, I'm going to gripe about something because nobody who hears this will care or know who it is. But I have a neighbor right now who has two, not huge, but like large-ish dogs. That mm-hmm. keeps letting them run around off-leash outside. And they have run right up to me and, like, gotten in my shit. And I'm like, can you leave me alone, big dogs that are off-leash that shouldn't be? I don't like that. I don't like irresponsible dog owners.
0: Uh, see, I'm with you on that. Um, one thing I have learned uh, moving here to the UK is that uh, dogs being off-leash is much more of a cultural thing here. Uh um. Yes. Um... There are, there are some parks nearby, and they try to say things like, have your dog off lead in this area. Mm. Otherwise, your dog should be on lead and make sure you control mm-hmm. your dog. And just 80% of people don't care.
1: It, uh, dog parks are bad. Don't get me started on it. Right. <laughs> they're bad for dogs.
2: That's... That's a a take I didn't I've never heard before. Interesting, but I I'm also not a dog owner. Once again, nor do I like walk dogs regularly or interact with dogs all that regularly. I just live in in a apartment building where enough people have dogs that I that I Mm. see them on a regular basis.
0: Right, yeah, and and like we live in an area where lots of people walk their dogs, and of course, there's lots of 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 flats around, so people have to take their dogs downstairs and outside Mm in the communal areas so they can do their thing. Um, and there are plenty of times where dogs will rush up to Darby and Darby's skittish. She doesn't attack dogs, but, you know, if pushed, she might. And she's she's very anxious around dogs. And so, yeah. you know, we'll say, I'll, I'll say things like, you know, please control your dog. Mm-hmm. And again, like, 70 ish percent of the time um it, it's just fine and they go oh sorry grab dog or or, or you in the C darby and try to put their dog on a lead right but every once in a while we get the oh they're friendly i don't give I, a fuck
2: <laughs> no, i i didn't look, I didn't mean to make this the gripe about dogs hour but we're gonna do it for a minute <laughs> um i have been chased by dogs twice in my life where there were no humans present So Mm -hmm. I couldn't like it and but both times the human came out at 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 some point and was like, Don't run. And I'm like, No, I'm gonna run. You control your (laughs) fucking dog. Right. Like there is a there is a a dog that is like my size chasing me. Please control your fucking dog. Um because yeah, like it is it is scary when that happens. Like my one of my other neighbors who I'm friends with has a very, very sweet uh dog who is also very protective of his people um mm-hmm. and but 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 is basically very kind of like shy and sweet and barks mostly out of being nervous, right? right and that that neighbor who I'm friends with encountered the terrible off-leash neighbor, and the off-leash neighbors' dogs like, lunged at my friend's dog. And there was right. this moment of like, holy shit, like, what's going to happen? Like, is there mm-hmm. going to be an actual like dog fight? Is like one of my friends or the other owner or anybody going to get injured trying to pull the dogs apart? Like, oh my God. Thankfully, it was both, it, it was like a, like a, a, a nip, like a intimidation tactic, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was still like, there There was a moment where one of my friends was like, am I about to have to like break up a fight between, you know, 60, 70 pound dogs? Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm.
2: And that's scary. And that's not something that you should be thinking about when you're in your apartment building. Like you're 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 at home where you're supposed to be safe, you know? Mm-hmm, so yeah. I love dog owners. I love dogs, but I only love dog owners who are cool with their dogs.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like I've had a couple of situations where like my dogs have no recall. Uh mm-hmm. they should never be off lead. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have perfect recall on your dogs, they should never be off lead. Completely. Ever. Right. Every now and then, they will bust out of my house.
2: By by recall, do you mean you can call them back, or do you mean they have yes. bad memories?
1: No, no, <laughs> okay. no, no. It, it, means it sounds it...
2: like you're saying your dogs have really bad memories. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it's it's, sure, it's but...
1: yeah, it's it's called recall, and it's essentially if they're out and about wandering around off lead, you can call mm. them, and they will come to you immediately. Right. Okay. No matter what the distraction is, mm-hmm. um, and that that's perfect recall. But and you can absolutely train your dog to have it, but if they don't have it, they shouldn't be off lead because if your dog is running at another dog, especially if that dog is on lead, you have no idea, even if your dog is friendly, even if they just want to meet that other dog, you have no idea what that other dog is going to do in response. They're They're not going to be feeling it. You have no idea. Your dog could get hurt. Their dog could get hurt. You could get hurt. The owner could get hurt. Everybody could get hurt. And this is why Dog parks are bad, bad for dogs, because if you are bringing your very well trained dog to a dog park who has perfect recall, and some bozo brings their dog to the dog park who has no recall, your dog is in danger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yep, that, that makes sense. Also, they seem kind of unsanitary.
1: Yeah,
0: so I just- mean, <laughs> specifically, uh, dog parks that are that are kind of fenced in and whatnot. Um, yeah, th- they, they, they work as well as the least behaved dog. Uh, luckily, the park nearby our house is not a dog park per se. It is a, a full, I guess, human park, um, but there is a chunk of it that's in the middle of the park away from all the roads that is allows an off-lead area, but it's, it's very specifically constrained by some sidewalks or pavements, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like within this group of pavements. Dogs like everywhere else. No, because there's uh, wildlife around. There's a a, a creek nearby. Yeah. Um, there are people going by on bikes, so it's like you know, keep them to this area, and just nobody listens.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I would I would be more sympathetic to my my off-lead neighbor if we had like a big grassy area or something, right? Right. But we don't. Like we live like I'm I'm in a five-story building that is mostly surrounded by parking lot. There's a, a couple of small areas that are grass that are meant for dogs to use the restroom on. But there's not, like, those dogs are off lead running around. They're running around, like, in the parking lot. And I'm like, there's there's cars here. <laughs> like Because it's not where dogs are yeah. used to be running. Or one time they were on the other side of the building, which is next to, like, a major roadway. It's not a highway, but it's, like, a six-lane road. Like, it is a busy, busy road. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what if your dog gets away from you for like 30 seconds like that's yeah that's also scary like i don't want the dogs to get hurt either like Mm -hmm. like a big part of my being annoyed at at that specific neighbor was being like your dogs are gonna get hurt and it's gonna be your fault and there's no way to like explain that to the dogs
0: no like they're not
2: children you can't sit there look at a dog and be like look both ways before you cross the street because they're dogs they don't they don't get that level of complex command
0: yep and like i i i love darby to death she is my sweet baby girl she's she's smart and beautiful and funny and she really thinks that walking towards cars in the street is a great idea every single time (laughs) and so it's like i i I will you will always be on lead by the roads because she goes oh i can go because because in her mind when she gets to go into a car it's an adventure and it's fun oh so cars are friends so if a car goes by i should go towards it because maybe i can get to go inside it.
2: Mm-hmm. i mean that's that's very logical for a dog
0: it is perfect dog logic
2: <laughs> yeah i um, my 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 boyfriend kind of wants a dog and i have definitely like said okay when we have like a house or a townhouse with a fenced in backyard that's that's my requirement Uh, Mm -hmm. because I don't like getting up early to walk dogs.
1: No. And I don't like
2: having to walk dogs when it's raining.
1: and Mm -mm. I don't like
2: any of that shit. I like being able to open a door and let them out and then I can them back for them later if I want to. You know? Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's how I grew up. I I, I had a Scottish Terrier and then I had a Dachshund when I was a kid and for both of them, it's like they went out in the backyard, they ran around, they did their business, they came back inside, and if they were wet, I toweled them off, you know? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a low maintenance dog owner which is why I have cats. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, I mean it helps that I have a huge house and a huge backyard right. and I can just send the dogs outside to run around in circles and chase each other and then clean all the mud off of them when they come inside and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
2: I still get like like I'm 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 still not an advocate of dogs in apartments or in big cities but that's just because i feel bad for the dogs
1: oh yeah same like i'm not i'm not a fan of it either yeah mm. like
2: whenever i see people especially with big dogs in like downtown dc or like new york city or whatever i'm like that seems cruel like there i don't
1: cer- know it just seems there's weird. there are certain dog breeds that don't need that that as much like there are certain dog breeds that are big that will do just fine in an apartment yeah like, like mm. i mean
2: like 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 Darby, who we're talking about, like Eddie lives yeah. in a a a large city. <laughs> yeah, but also, the <laughs> yes, your your city has really good parks, though. I would I will yeah, say yes.
0: that. Yes, yes, like, London is very good about green space,
2: and especially where you live, because I know mm-hmm. the giant park you live near. <laughs> right. Um. Whereas for us, it, like, if if you're in some places in DC, sure. If you're in others, I don't know. Like, I can see it if you're in New York and you're like walking distance or like easy walking distance, because everything in New York is walking distance. But like easy walking is it's like Central Park, right? But then I see people who, I don't know. I just feel bad. I just I just want dogs to be happy. No,
0: I'm with you. Because like even in Atlanta, right? Like um, here we're within like two minutes walking space of green space. And even if we were further in the city, we weren't we're more than 10 minutes away. Walk from a green space. It's kind of hard to get more than 10 minutes walk from any green space in, in London, right? In Atlanta, even though we had a house with a yard. If we didn't, it would have easily been like half an hour or a drive yeah. to find yeah. a green space.
2: Yeah, because I know we you used to live in Atlanta, too. <laughs>
0: right, yeah.
2: There is nothing around there.
0: So we were constantly having the, are we going to get yelled at for, for using someone's yard? Because most of the time, as long as you clean up, they don't care. But every once in a while, someone cares. And so it's like, okay, hey, but this is literally the only green space I have access to.
2: Wasn't <laughs> the closest park to you the one where they were making Cop City? Yeah. Where they're still mm-hmm. making Cop City? Yeah, that's fucking irritating. Because that's a great I mean, there, park you hang out there.
0: There was a, a, a green space that's right across from, uh, was right across my house, but it was literally just a school got bulldozed there, and they had to clean it out and then eventually give it over to the neighborhood before we were allowed to have access to it. But then it was this tiny little enclosed space, and of course, people would put their dogs off lead. And it's like, okay, so we can't use it because we're responsible dog owners. Nobody else is.
2: So the episode is about cats. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's,
1: so we pivot... Right? We talked about dogs and dog ownership and responsible dog ownership. And now we talk about cats and cat ownership and responsible cat ownership, which is that you recognize that you don't own cats. It's right, true. right. The cat owns
0: you. Yes.
2: <sighs> which one of my cats owns me is the question.
0: All of them. It's, 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 in... it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, a share. It,
2: it, they
1: have a
0: co-op. <laughs> yes. I was
2: going to say, right. have they like formed an LLC?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you,
0: you, Cochran LLC. Uh,
2: that is still my, my boyfriend is salty about the fact that all the cats at the vet have my last name. Cause mm, I'm the one who's mm-hmm. home all the time. So I, I, I mm-hmm. I'm the one who takes it to the vet usually, which means that, you know, his quote unquote cat, the one that is his, his favorite also has my last name at the vet. And he's like, <laughs> what? Also all their callers have my phone number on them. And I'm like, you can't have your phone at work. Of course right. they have my phone number on them. I'm reachable
0: all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Same. Like Darby has my last name too. So. Uh, Darby Webb. Yes, but also, what we're really saying is that you have all the cats' last names. <laughs> yes. Yes,
2: yes. I have definitely not been Cochrane since birth. I've only been Cochrane since we got wed five cat. years ago. Since <laughs> Four <cat>. years ago.
0: <laughs> 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 But it's funny because, like, um, uh, as we ease into the topic, um, I've had some people online because I'm so known as the guy who worked on Pugmire, and I talk a lot about my dogs. Uh, and they're like, you know, you know, how can you even write for cats? Like, I have been owned by cats in my past. Do not get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, because when I first met Michelle, she had uh, two cats, uh, Trillian and Grebo. Um, oh. And if you recognize those references, you're probably just as much of a nerd as Michelle and I are. Yes. Uh, but um, so, and then they were, fantastic and chirlian was a beautiful white fluffy princess who you know every the world revolves around her and she knew it and Gribo was the world's worst supervillain who tried desperately to be evil and just failed miserably every time i love that (laughs) like he would Gribo was great because um he would get on the staircase right and they had the staircase with the open the the Mm -hmm. bars but you can reach through Yeah, yeah Um, and uh, the house we were in, St. Louis, uh, we had to walk by the staircase to get to the kitchen. And so he'd sit on the staircase and try to put his hand through and swat at you as you go by. Mm-hmm. But his arm was just a little too short to reach. <laughs> so he'd swing like, like – it would just – and then just something just flail of paw right in front of your face.
2: He was waving <laughs> at you.
0: And and then and oh no, claws were out. I mean, he was like,
2: oh, well, he didn't have claws. But like <laughs> he was waving at so you left. enthusiastically.
0: Right, exactly. But then he would stare at me like, like I'm the asshole, and then storm upstairs. And I'm like, your your plan is the one that failed, my friend. Okay, I, have- I just imagine it's like Doctor Doom, Richards. You know,
2: I have a cat story that happened very recently. I I would, I would like to share. So I have I have I have right. cats, right. Mm-hmm. I have I have Wednesday, who uh, can do you no wrong. That's that's my boyfriend's cat. Uh, aside from the fact that she occasionally decides to pee on things, which is not great. Uh, right. Then I have Lydia, who's who's very much my cat. Um, she's mostly a dainty lady. She doesn't have any teeth because she got a disease and had to have all her teeth taken out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. she does have ridiculous claws, and she's kind of a long girl. She's very tall. And then we have the Void, uh, whose name is actually Vesper, but she's a black cat, and. Ever since we got the void, because um, we we found her by we basically found her in the garbage. <laughs> so mm-hmm, she's a garbage right. cat, sure. like um, most
1: cats. That's
2: well. The other two we got through like adoption situations. This one we just found. Well, and like, well right. Hey. You
1: got Vesper through what is called the Universal Cat Distribution System.
2: Right, 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 right. Um. So we got Vesper, and she's she's very needy. To us and very skittish with the other cats, uh, which is weird because like Wednesday just wants to be her friend Wednesday wants to groom her and sleep with her and be her best friend Wednesday loves all cats. Um, The void is always hissed at Lydia, but there's a little section behind me in the office where I sit where I've got like a blanket on a box and then a a different box next to it. And the cats often hang out up there, right? And the other day, Lydia was hanging out there. Lydia has historically swatted Vesper whenever Vesper's walked by just Mostly for fun. Like, she doesn't have her claws out. She's just trying to play. And -hmm. Vesper always takes it very personally and hisses and runs away. Mm -hmm. But Lydia was laying down and Vesper got up there and they were kind of looking at each other, but they were laying down. And I I spent about, you know, 30 seconds talking to them like they understand me, going like, hey, you know, it's. It's okay, Vesper. She's not gonna bother you. Just 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 lay down. She's she's your sister. She's very sweet. It's fine. And like as Vesper lays down and turns her back on Lydia, I see Lydia's little paw just slowly coming up. <laughs> she immediately <laughs> just flaps her like three times. Vesper went <laughs> and ran away. And I was like, Lydia, you made a liar out of me. I was just convincing Vesper that you're a sweet, wonderful kitten that she can sleep near peacefully, without worry. And you have chosen violence. <laughs> chosen violence. And that's part of why I love cats, is because they can just decide. Like, there's a there's a comic that's been going around for the past few weeks. It's just, like, two cats, and it's like, oh, you're best friends. And then, like, the last panel is actually wait, and it's them, like, drawing back to fight, you know?
1: Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's basically what I love about cats. So they can be, like, best friends and then suddenly be like, actually, I think I hate you right now. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um, know that's something that uh, I've always wanted to do from from day one with Pugmire, right? Was, like, yes, it's ultimately a game about dogs. It It, it is dog-centric. It is dog-forward, if you will. Uh, but I knew that I wanted to have room for cats and I wanted to make sure that they're unique place in our lives both culturally and as owners mm-hmm. uh it was reflected um and so i've always wanted to make sure that that was, was available it, it's not quite a split game of dogs and cats and less so now i'll talk about that in a second but um from early on right i, I knew cats were going to be like the, the worst case was they were gonna be number two they're they're Mm -hmm. always going to have a huge place in in the world.
2: Also, the minute the Kickstarter started, everybody was like, cats, we're cats, I want to play cats, we're cats, give me cats. Well,
0: right, that was the other thing, is like I kind of knew people were going to want that. I was initially unprepared for how much that was a thing that people wanted. And so when we did the new edition, I was prepared for, I don't want to play cats, I want to play mice, I want to play rats. Um, And so that's why we had the uh, appendix in the back of the new edition to be able to people <clears> can start with those they're not going to be as full featured but at least they have some ability to play right away uh but i also knew that this new game this new book that we're doing curious cats of Mao, is going to be one of the first ones that we were going to do and so i thought yeah let's get together and talk about that um it happens that everyone but matthew has actually worked on the new edition and if we count matthew all of you have worked on Mao in some way capacity because matthew worked on the original monarchy sml Um, and so I got let me kind of start from here. Um, it is a supplement this time around. We are crowdfunding here right now. If you're listening to this as it drops, uh, knock on a wood, the crowdfunder has gone live.
2: <laughs> yeah, just a little I think right?
0: Because we, we are slightly ahead of recording time. Usually this goes fine, but every once in a while it does not go fine. As I and I'm a little more skittish after last year when. A certain company decided to change their legal agreement right in the middle of my crowdfunder, which was not fun.
2: <laughs> so, so either it's out or it will be out soon. Yes. Right,
0: yes. Um, I know I've been talking a lot about uh, Threats and Curs, which is kind of our collection of various antagonists, say a manual of monsters, if you will. Uh, and I've been talking a lot about that because I wasn't 100% sure if Curious Castles could be in shape to do it this year. And I want to make sure we have a backup plan, right? And ultimately, I'm I'm excited about threats and curves. I think it's going to be a great book. Um, it was a lot of hard work to get it together, but also getting a bunch of people to go off and write a bunch of critters and get them back in my head was easier than putting together a supplement about cats. Turns out that was not true, but we're not here to talk about threats and cures
2: <laughs> um, it was hard to edit so it was parts. hard to edit it was
0: hard to develop um the writers were fine uh it was just way more moving parts than i thought a book about 150 monsters should have been
2: yeah i mean like all the monsters are super cool i, I will give you that like and there's some some new ones in there and some fan favorites are coming back and actually are just in one book which is nice mm-hmm. but like jeez there's so many of yeah. them <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> it's 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 i've never done a book like that before um and whew. uh but again I, i've done it di- i've done a deep dive into the records you I can mean, people want to go back and listen to that they they can um so this may seem like it's coming kind of out of nowhere uh and, and there there are a couple of reasons for that one of which is uh i didn't develop this myself uh warren co-developed this with me Lauren roy uh and we talked to her next episode about her kind of contributions to it. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, I, I could not have done this by myself because I was focused on crowds and uh, But also um, because this was, this needs to be a supplement. This needed to be a supplement. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And I needed someone to kind of help me to figure out what that would look like on some level. Uh, because I, While I'm glad we've made Monarchies of Mal a separate game, the reality is is that over the years, it has sold like a supplement. Most people either bought both Pugmire and Monarchies of Mao, or picked up Monarchies of Mao, went back and bought the other books. Very, very few people just bought Monarchies of Mal and only used Monarchies of Mao. And sales-wise, to be blunt, Monarchies of Mal just didn't sell as well as Pugmire did.
2: Which is weird because cats are definitely superior to dogs.
0: I I mean, it's just science, right?
2: Yeah, it's just science. They're they're more efficient hunters. Right. Uh, Their spines are made of jello, basically.
1: (laughs) They're non Newtonian fluids. But one of (laughs) you know one of the things I was thinking about is that if I think about market share, a completely different reason why Mao might not have sold as well. Um, other than people looking at it as a supplement to the dog game, Mm -hmm. is I can't think of another dog game, a game where I play as a dog doing dog kind of things, but I can think of several other cat games.
0: Mm, True.
1: And so... Some people might have been like, well, I already have a cat game or, oh, this is just another laser kittens or cat or, you know, like it, it's kitschy, but, you know, I, I don't know that it'll be that fun. I mean, also, and, there's, there's
2: cat people in so many games, too. You've got them in right, Skyrim, you've got a tabaxi. Yeah, yeah like yeah. there's so many cat people and very few dog people. You're, you're correct.
1: Right. And so I feel like the novelty of like, I get to play a dog, I get to be a derpy, dopey adventurer who's sniffing everything and needs to like, run off to the next thing and be easily distracted. And this sounds so much fun versus, oh, I get to play a cat, which are kind of the more, oh, I get to be, you know, maybe silly and maybe, uh you know, be freaked out by shadows or the thing on the ceiling that is actually just a thumbtack. Uh, right. <laughs> I think it's a bug or, you know, chase a laser pointer. But for that effect, there's a lot of other, I mean, people have already scratched that itch a little bit.
2: Yeah, I can see that. I think that's part of why I liked when we did uh, Squeaks in the Deep getting to play mice because there's so many like rat people or rat type characters you can play and they're universally kind of creepy and weird. But I can be a really cute mouse in Squeaks in the Deep. Like, just mm-hmm. a really adorable little mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made me happy. So, yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Like, there's there's quite a few games where you can play some kind of cat or cat person or what have you.
0: That is actually a really interesting point. Because um, uh, uh, back when I originally pitched Pugmire as kind of potentially a, a three-game game triangle um the initial idea was pugmire is dungeons and dragons as the heroic fantasy the ideal of the game is supposed to be uh squeaks and deep was supposed to be dungeons and dragons as the kind of uh eternal undergrounds crawl mm. that a lot of people kind of believe it to be or it has some initial roots in mm-hmm. and Cats in Pugmire is kind of the D and D murder hobo thing that people actually play D and D as often, right? Uh, and obviously, all three of those change for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, but I mean, certainly there's a fair bit of the. You're you're right. the The default perception people have of cats their their individuality, their arrogance, their their uh, tend to occasionally be a bit dickish maps already pretty well onto a certain style of D&D fantasy roleplay. that there's not much need to kind of go, oh, that's new and fresh. It's the, oh, it's just my D&D character is the cat head, right? Um, and I know it's something that I wanted to push partially with uh, Monarchies of but Laura and I talked about pushing even further with Curious Cats and of Mouth. Like, no, there's actually a whole distinct gameplay here Yes, that cats bring to the table that's, goes beyond just oh and i also have a cat head right and maybe this is a, a part where i can throw to dixie a little bit because i know one of the sections you wrote dixie was character creation um so maybe we talk through kind of what that was like and and what direction you got
2: yeah um gosh i'm gonna open my red lines while we're talking <laughs> that's not even the right book that was uh the squeaks in the deep i have too many things around here <laughs> uh, no, I I uh... <laughs> I know that a lot of what we were doing was for for character creation was keeping it you know faithful to first edition, right? Right. But the world has moved on by five years. The same thing that we did with realms of Pugmire. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for character creation itself, I think the main thing I was doing was just trying to kind of like present all the callings in a way that still made sense that made them feel heroic when they needed to be because obviously some feel more heroic than others
1: mm-hmm.
2: um i really wanted that like breadth to be there because i knew that like i i kind of felt like with with this new edition we were pulling them a little bit more heroic which i i, I enjoyed yeah. it's Agreed. not just about like house politics and backstabbing and whatever um mm. so you and also we we pulled the callings from pirates of Pegmire which gave them another even more, like, heroic-seeming calling in the torpedo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, it was, it, it, it oh, gosh, I'm trying to, like, explain this. It, it was fun, it was an interesting balance. Uh, trying to bring the mystic into regular callings was interesting. But I, I, I definitely think that they lean a little more heroic and a little more explorational. Than they did in mm-hmm. the first one, yeah. Um, because the first one was very like they were very insular. They didn't really want to deal with like dogs or even like some of the mice and rats and stuff. And I think that the society has moved on a little bit in the past, you know, half generation or whatever it is, uh, for for cats where they're a little more interested in going out and seeing what's happening outside of the monarchies and traveling across the sea and trading with the dogs and uh, the ruins of House Spylodon are kind of a big deal in this edition.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: uh,
2: it, it, in that we actually wrote more about them than just a reference yeah <laughs>
0: yeah uh, that's such a good point because um uh you're right it, when i first did uh when we all actually first did uh monarchies of Mao, um i did kind of make it more my vampire to pugmeyer's werewolf for very reductive terms of both um so you're right it was very heavy into the the intrigue and in politics and i'm still happy we did that i'm still glad that we kept a lot of that for bow uh but you're right uh, there was a kind of a heroic component missing that uh, uh these aren't just jerks with swords they're actually right. heroic in their own right and also something that uh I learned about more since the first edition was the fact that cats are absolutely social creatures, despite this pop culture opinion of them.
2: Yeah, no, my cats love people, especially their mm-hmm. people. Like yep, right. my, all of my cats are pandemic cats. I got mm-hmm. Wednesday right before the first lockdown and uh, all the other ones have come, come along since then, which means that they like me and my boyfriend a lot and they Mm -hmm. don't want to look at anybody else (laughs) they don't want other people to exist but they absolutely love us like they like they beg for our attention uh they you know wednesday is constantly laying on my boyfriend's keyboard or on his desk right behind his keyboard because she needs to be near him all the time uh Mm -hmm. and Wednesday and Lydia specifically love each other very much. Like they, they groom each other, they play together, they they sleep curled up together sometimes. They're very, very much like a little family, you know, Mm-hmm. and a little found family.
0: It's even yep. better. Yeah, yeah. Which which really plays well with with Pugmire or sorry with uh, uh Curious Cats, in the sense that you know these are cats that. Unlike Pugmire, which is a little more emphasis on the biological family, this is a little more emphasis on that found family. Uh, you know, choose which house you belong to, and then on top of that, you can have your own component and mixture of people who have affiliation with different houses. Uh, so it is much more kind of, these are the people I like to be with and I enjoy being with, rather than just, these are the people I'm stuck with because I'm related to them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm
2: i think something else that we tried to do of uh, because d you, you wrote the, the the history chapter right right correct i think something that i tried to reinforce in mine and that i'm sure that d reinforced in hers because I, I didn't read it but you know i trust you um is also trying to explain the shadow block a little better because <laughs> yeah. i think in first edition everybody was like oh so there's they're the bad guys right because they have shadow in the name and it's like no
0: no more, the affiliation
2: it's... of
1: minor houses they're, yeah, they're I was mentioning more like shadow like,
0: government. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're also kind of just more like the strays that
0: mm-hmm. don't really
1: have like the the mixed breeds, the the American tabby or mm-hmm. short haired tabby, like <laughs> kind of cat animal. Yeah. Like they're not a specific breed set. They don't have breeding marks or whatever. You know, they're just a just, just a fucking alley cat, and there's so many of them.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, any cat can belong to any house. Sure, it's not, it's not like you have to be an Angora to be in house Angora.
0: No, but of course like, not.
2: But yeah, like I would assume that back in the day, that's that's how those started, right? Mm-hmm. It's like right. they were all yeah. certain breeds, and then all the other ones were like, we, we, we want to vote too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, one of the most fun things that I got to do. Anybody who's read Robs of Pugmire knows that we have that uh, rolling character creation system now. Mm-hmm. Which I got to play test and it was super fun. But one of the things in it is a family name. It's 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 optional, but it's a family name. So I got to go in there and just put cat names I thought were interesting <laughs> into a list. Yeah. Which means I did get to actually add like tabby. Because mm-hmm. I have a tabby cat. They're the most common cat. They <laughs> I, they should be in here, you know.
1: Who How among cool. us doesn't have a tabby cat?
2: I mean, technically right. she's a Torby in that she's tabby and tortoiseshell. But Whatever. but she's got all the tabby markings on her face. She's got the like M and everything. Um, my other cat, one of the, the one I haven't described on this episode so far, is a tortoiseshell, mm-hmm. um, which I couldn't figure out a good way to make that a last name. So I just didn't. But if, yeah. if you wanted to play a cat whose last name was, you know, torty, you could do. torty. No yeah. No, no one's stopping you. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Except right. me. I'm stopping yeah. you. i to come to your house and totally. like your game. Literally, with, with just a copy of Rums of just, like <laughs> just Smacking you in the nose.
1: Family name Fat Baby. Uh, <laughs> family name H- Himbo. Uh, family. So our cat Leo is He's the, so the biggest Himbo. The biggest oh, really? Himbo. It's oh, yeah. cat in the world, though. He's gorgeous. So, I don't know if you've ever seen Bengals, but they're gorgeous cats. And they're touted as extremely intelligent and extremely active cats and he is a problem solver and he is very active but he is not smart mm-hmm. and he will create problems for himself that don't fucking exist so <laughs> <laughs> oh, an example of this this cat's intelligence and his him bonus We have one of those cat, like pet gates. So it is a little gate that goes in front of the laundry room where the cat litter boxes are and the food is in there. So the dogs don't go and eat things. And there's a little hole, like a little gate and a hole that the cats can pass through. There's also space on the sides that the cats can pass through that, you know, big enough for the cats to pass through, but the dogs can't. But the hole is a little bigger. And when we first got Klaus, he was a little wormly, lanky little boy. And he could wiggle his way through the hole. And so I closed it. And Leo was just like, I don't understand how to get in here anymore. I need to get to my food, but I don't understand. And I was like, you can go on the side, buddy. And he was like, no, I guess I got to go over. And, and he was trying to go over and it, it's not a high jump, but it's narrow. So he would jump and like scramble, but there was nothing to like get purchase on. And so he would just be dangling from it. And I would have to (laughs) lift him up and put him over because he had this serious problem of not being able to get over the, the gate. We, he could just walk right through it. And I would like, I, a couple of times I pushed him through the side just to show him he could do it. And he just refused that this (laughs) was the, this was like this, you closed my door and now I am stuck. And he would (laughs) sit in, I would get him in there. And then he would sit inside the laundry room when he wanted to come out and just cry. Mm -hmm. Like, please come save me from this jail. You have put me in. And I'm like, you are the dumbest, (laughs) dumbest cat. There is a (laughs) space you can walk through sir and he would just be like I'm too big for that I'm like you're yep. not too big for that
0: cannot be done no, yeah. nothing yeah. can be done about this
1: uh, ju- favorite. Okay, go ahead. oh I was going to say he, he jumps places and mm-hmm. we call it he stronks himself places um, <laughs> because he will jump up to get to a place and he can't quite jump high enough but he can get his front paws on it and then he will just heave himself all 16 pounds of him with his front <laughs> little legs, like a strong little man, <laughs> onto whatever he's jumped onto. We,
2: we just say that all of our cats have, have, have hops when they jump. We're like, look, mm-hmm. look at those hops. Look at yeah. you happen. Yeah. Um, Vesper's favorite thing is to uh, park herself outside our bedroom door, which we keep closed because the aforementioned Wednesday who occasionally pees on things. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know. Keep the bedroom door closed, right? That's where the bed is. Right. I don't want it peed on. Right. Um, Vesper, however, thinks that that bed is her cat bed. She thinks mm-hmm. that our our queen sized, <laughs> mm-hmm. wonderful bedroom set is her personal cat bed. Yeah. Right. She gets offended if we don't let her in there to sleep. So much like yours will sit in the in the in the room and cry, thinking that he's trapped. Mine will sit outside our door, with her squeaky, weird, loud meow. Just, just whining until someone lets her in to, 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 to lay on the bed, and she'll stay in there for like six hours, just sleeping in the middle of the bed, and then she'll she'll yell again to be let out, and I'm just like, I'm not your butler, like stop it.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> but say that but you, that's are. Not <laughs> Actually, you are true. Actually,
2: I blame my boyfriend for all this because I am very good at keeping her out of the bedroom and ignoring her. And right. he's always, He's always like, "Okay, sweetie, I guess you can go in." And I'm like, Keep, "Stop it! Stop it!" <laughs> like we are, we are teaching them that I'm, I'm, I'm the mean parent. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. i don't the way. <laughs> I was like, "Well,
2: no, like, so what? What? What else did you like? You specifically want to update? Like, I know we're gonna talk to Lauren about like what." Sure what all the changes were kind of, but you 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 clearly came in with you know your vision for it before Lauren took over. So yeah,
0: uh, that's a that's a good point. Um, so I mean, we touched on some of that already. Like, uh, you you keyed into, uh, I wanted to bring a little more kind of of heroism back to that. Uh, and honestly, by not making it its own game and therefore taking off the weight of it having to quote unquote feel different as a game. Actually worked out really well because then say okay you're using Rome's Pugmire's the core rulebook Rome's Pugmire's already geared to be a fairly heroic game so just make a character in that system there 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 there, there ends to be some bleed through of like okay so as a result you tend to make heroic characters so that works out pretty well actually um, but there are a couple things I wanted to do uh, one thing which you kind of alluded to is that uh, I wanted to change the political situation Um, in the original game. The monarchies were still reasonably new. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had just formed under uh, a new monarch named Trelawney. Um, Mm -hmm. She is now deceased and uh, new after some internal politicking, a new monarch has taken uh, the throne and she's not as in a good place as her predecessor was. Uh, But it's her name. Uh, Threnody, Threnody on Mount. Yeah. Um, and Threnody's kind of trying to balance a lot of plates that that Trelawney seemed to have a pretty good grasp on. Um, and so as a re- as a result of that, there's more explicit politics happening, right? So on one hand, the politics are more e- real in existence, uh, but they also, as a result, kind of move into the background a bit more because. Hmm. It's now explicitly a thing that happens to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can engage with it. It There's more of a clear, I'm choosing to opt into these politics because I have a relationship with Threnody or one of the other people on the ruling council. As opposed to before, it was kind of a vague, everyone's kind of in the political mix. And so you had to kind of really intentionally opt out. Uh, Mm -hmm. The other big piece uh, from a political standpoint I want to change is that in the original game… Tensions were high with the dogs, and again, in a fairly vague way. uh, In this case, uh, explicitly, talks with Pugmire have broken down. Um, And uh, in fact, one of the short story pieces I wrote, which I don't think either of you have seen yet, um, is a story of the uh, Mao ambassador being sent home. Iliad uh, Iliad, uh, is actually being sent home. He has been uh, deported. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and so it, it's about the carriage ride with another member of his house who's basically trying to politically talk shit. Uh, and it's the, it's, it's such a, it's a horrible thing that those, those monsters, those dogs, did that to you. And Iliad stands up for them because he's lived with them for several years at this point and tries to explain the situation. But, you know, he's also recognized the fact that he has failed as a diplomat because he's no longer, you know, when, when, you when you break off ties with a country and the country with you, you depose, you remove their diplomatic core. Um, and so again, weirdly that takes the pressure off because it's the now there's not this thing that you always have to engage with because you can choose to have a relationship with dogs or not by, by breaking that off. So these are small pieces that gave more flavor and texture to the world, but also helps to compartmentalize the cat experience a bit more which for a when it was a full tabletop game i felt like i had to have just present a whole vague experience with this it's like no i can very much counterpoint it to the core game it's derived from
2: yeah i can see that yeah because when, when we were working on uh the first editions i mean we i would, i edited them i didn't really work much on them past that uh because i wasn't full-time at the time um but like it always felt to to me very much like Pugmire was D and D, and Mao was a little like Vampire the Masquerade, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't the the, the same, obviously, because you were still out with your rapiers and your adventure and whatever if you wanted to, because you had the uh, Trailblazers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But like that's kind of how the like moods felt. And now I feel like the right. mood is united because we have the core book, and then everything else is is a supplement, which I I quite enjoy personally.
0: Right. Um, some of that also was uh, absolutely Lauren coming to it because basically how this kind of came about was uh, I initially had some plans for how this was going to go. Originally this was going to be a, a, a monarchy source book, and then Cat Rules were going to be a different book. Uh, it was explained to me in very small words that that was a terrible idea, and I was like, oh, yeah, that is kind of a terrible idea. I should never <laughs> have said that. Uh, so we should just have just a core cat source book has everything you need for cats in it. And uh, I was like, I need someone who's not me to pull this together because, like I said, A, I was head deep into threats and curves and also continuing to rewrite rules of Pugmire. Right. Uh, but also, B, um, someone who was really deeply invested in the cat experience that could pull together a team that were could really channel that. Uh, and Lauren was absolutely that person. Um and so that was some of the things we talked about was um, her like – it was, it was her that was like, you know, what is the political situation now? And I was like, I actually don't know. Let me sit down and think about that. And I sat down and we, we – I, I threw to her what I thought the situation would be, and then we put some names down and, and moved a couple of pieces around. But generally speaking, I, I, I came up with it, but I didn't even think that that was a thing that was necessary. And So she's like, I need to tell my writers what the political situation is now if we want to talk about politics. Um, and that was that kind of collaborator I needed. Uh, and so she was the one who came up to me with things like, okay, we want to bring the two callings from uh, Pirates of Pugmire and update them. So what does the mystic look like now? And I was like, oh, yeah, because it was very much sea witch. That was one of the it.
2: hardest one. Yeah, that's 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 a question that like I ended up raising a lot, too. <laughs> it was like, yeah. okay, how do I... Because... I, I, I wrote the Mystic for Pirate's Pugmire, because I did mm-hmm. a creation for that, too. And I definitely made them very sea witchy, because that was kind of the point. You know, they were for the pirate source Sourcebook. They were meant to be on the water. Um, right. And so they're a lot more druid now, in that they can be on the water, but they also can be out in the woods. Like, they have... Right. It's, it's more, like, ba- basic nature. But that was something that... Uh, talking to uh, Ryan, he worked on a lot of the powers and also talking to Lauren. I was like, I was like, wait, what, what are we doing with this?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, because my, my initial thought was, well, just keep them a sea is I don't see a reason why they, they necessarily need to be expanded beyond that. But it was discussion with the team of like, there's more room here. I, I don't feel like, we have enough mm-hmm. to kind of nail this down. And if we move beyond it, we need to uh, a clear vision of that. And Lauren kind of came to me as like, going, what if we kind of did a more druidy?" And I was like, okay, well then here's, if we did that, let's go this way, this way, this way. This, this way. Um, and then of course uh, you and Ryan also nailed out some very specific questions, which helped crystallize it in both my head and Laura's head and I think So it was definitely mm-hmm. a collaborative effort on that front. Um, but oh, yeah. it was very helpful for her to be able to have someone just Bounce off of cuz like 60% of this was like I came and said, I want I knew I want to change certain things like I knew I wanted to update a setting I knew I wanted to make it more of a source book I knew I wanted to expand what the monarchies actually had in them because I I was never happy with how the monarchies came out in the book I felt like they were a little too vague and I wanted to make them into actually six different nation states mm-hmm. uh I wanted that to have like cities flavors, but... right <laughs> Exactly, they had cities in them and different uh, cultural dynamic. Um, I wanted the backgrounds to be clearer and more fleshed out. I wanted there to be more more uh, emphasis there, um, and also I knew that I wanted to be an adventure path of some kind in there, and I wanted to, uh, because monarchies now inherited things like the cult of laboratories. Like, no, I want them to have their own distinctive antagonist. Um, so I wanted to have House Smaldon be much more front and center, and then the other forty percent was like vibes. I was like, and I don't know. Put them (laughs) some callings in, I guess, and more magic. And you you can figure that out, Laura. And Lauren's just like, oh, God. Um, Uh, She did a fantastic job.
2: uh, So, yeah, we may have lost Danielle for the rest of this recording due to circumstances beyond our control, but me and Eddie can keep talking about it. That's fine. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. one of the other things that uh I, also Danielle's fine. she's not like dead or anything. she just <laughs> things things happen.
0: Uh, <laughs> Danielle's been buried in the litter box somewhere
2: yeah, yeah, uh yeah, no we're, we're working on the monarchies was actually really fun. I did two of them um mm-hmm. they they were as far as I know, they were randomly assigned. I don't know how they they assigned them, but I by luck got the northernmost and southernmost monarchies. Oh, nice! So I can make them very distinct, first of all, because one of them mm-hmm. is mountainous, and I based it off like you know mostly like European countries.
0: Like yeah, I you got I just, Siberian was, Rex, right?
2: Yeah, so there's there's yeah. a lot of uh, Germany and Siberian in Siberian, and including some of the names of things. Like
0: mm-hmm.
2: these are subject to change, obviously, in editing or whatever. But I think that I named the capital Berienberg. Um, which just made sense to me i i speak a little german i was using some of the way that their their their, their towns work and uh for rex i had just watched one piece
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the live action. Yes.
2: and so when i got the like beach monarchy i was like cool let's go um so we got to talk a lot about like what they eat in the different monarchies and what their towns look like. Cause obviously the like towns in Siberia need to protect against the cold aside from the one that I have built on hot springs. Uh, Because that's always a fun thing. in like, you know, Scandinavian or Germanic type type places. Uh, Cool town with a hot springs where everything's nice and warm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it is, it is snowy, it's mountainous. And also that means that if the monarchies turn on them, they can retreat into the mountains but they don't have a lot of ground to fight back from, you know? Right. And that was interesting to think about, like, tactically as as, as well. It's like, what if the monarchies break up again? Like, who Mm -hmm. got the advantage here? Because, like, Rex can go to sea, right? Mm -hmm. And also, they control almost all of the coast. So, like most coastal trade has to go through them, which means they can probably tax people, and it's just really interesting to think about it, like, as if they were, you know, actual countries and actual places, and, like, how that would work for the different cats, so like, in in, in my brain, Rex is very prosperous because of their sea trade, and Siberian is prosperous mostly because of their stone, because they right. can export mm-hmm. that to other monarchies for, you know, house building and street gobbling and what have you
0: that's actually really interesting because I didn't articulate a lot of that, but you hit on a lot of the reasons why I structured the way they like, for example, the reason why Korat is so warlike is because they're on the West, which means that basically they are between the dogs and everyone else. So when the dogs went to war, the Korat was on the front line. So it's like you learn to fight or you get rolled over by the dogs.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like, maybe Siberia doesn't really want to go north because that's where the ruins of Smilodon are and that's scary.
0: Right, exactly. So and and they were they are also, I mean, uh, uh, they were also kind of the, you know, to steal from Game of Thrones a little bit, the kind of the wardens of the watch, if you will. I um, mean, yeah, there's
2: a lot of that DNA in there too because I have mm-hmm. seen and read Game of Thrones.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but also that's one of the reasons why the Mao has always been a diplomats because they're in the middle. So it's like they've always had to negotiate between different monarchies. So Yeah, um, Mao they... and
2: Simric are a little fucked compared to some of the other ones when it comes to having a border, but they're probably the safest monarchies to live in. Because right. Because they're surrounded by other monarchies.
0: And and those give you the two kind of rough ways to deal with the situation, which is you can either try to carefully build political alliances, which is the Mao way, or you can fast talk like crazy, which is the Simric way.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's um, no, it's 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 really cool to be able to you know, give a little more life to this setting. Because I really yeah. enjoy the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, But having more detail on the actual monarchies as they are. Because, like, I think a lot of people tend to play them as, like, every monarchy is basically, like, a city. You yeah. know, that's, that's not the case, clearly. But because right. there weren't, like, capitals and cities detailed in the original book, aside from saying, like, the Rex capital. Right. Da, 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 you know. So, like, when I've run games of of, you know squeaks or monarchies that are taking place in the monarchies it was always either like okay you're in the main city in simric or you're in the countryside those are kind of your options and now there's like multiple cities and towns and there's places to go and people need to realize too that the monarchies are pretty big so there there is a lot of you know farmland and unexplored areas and empty
1: space and
2: empty (laughs) space and sections of forest like the Fearful Forest isn't the only trees in all of Pugmire, right? Like there's there's, right. there's smaller forests throughout everything. They just weren't really detailed on the original maps, right? But like I I think of them as like at least the size of states, but probably way larger than that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, um Pugmire is the biggest city, but also it's mm-hmm. there's literally it, it's like there's Pugmire and then there's nothing and there's Howington, there's nothing and then there's port whereas with the the monarchies the seas are a little bit smaller but that's because there's a lot more in between all those spaces
2: yeah yeah and i mean there's there's every monarchy has a capital mm-hmm. and then some of them have you know just more small towns for, but, but but most people live in the capital which is how i think of like si- siberian for instance mm-hmm. uh because of the way that the capital is built into a windbreak in the mountains um right. so I, I would say that most people live in the capital, but that's not everybody. There are people that live in, like, some of the smaller towns and, and, and areas around. But I think of Rex as more of, like, the capital isn't that big, but there's tons of small cities and port towns scattered along the coast there. Because mm-hmm. uh, that would make sense. <laughs> that is how coastal communities happen, generally. Um, right. So, yeah, no, it was, it was it was really, really fun to think about. I have not read all of uh, M.K. Anderson's work on the other ones, but I, I, I am looking forward to reading them at some point, and mm-hmm. then seeing what got done with the other monarchies that I didn't write.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, uh, uh, kind of pivot a little bit. Um, the other thing I wanted to do was I wanted to do that kind of adventure path, and rather than focusing on, uh, the cultural laboratory because. I really feel like they work better as antagonists for the mice and rats. Um, I wanted to bring House Malon. in. so, one of the things I asked is for kind of a fairly rough arc of adventures. Um, mm-hmm. And so, basically, the, the three events uh, I, I worked out the rough ideas with Lauren. She fleshed out a bit more, kind of what each one needed to cover. Um, and I think you did the middle one, right?
1: Yes, I did.
0: Um, So you got the uh, worst of both worlds because you had to follow up the threads from the first one and lead to the third one. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, uh, I, I thought you did a great job. but I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of what that experience was like of trying to pull it together and work on that.
1: It was interesting because I had first I had written the the history section of mm-hmm. the the monarchies of Mao, which is kind of the in slightly in character letter from pixie to the, oh, right. the pugmire like people like hey mm-hmm. this is what the monarchies are like if you want to try again to to do talks with us maybe keep some of these things in mind because what you did before it wasn't working
0: right um, it's propaganda piece of here's what our culture's like please stop accidentally insulting us
1: Yes, and, and it, it's, yeah, here's what our culture is like, and here's some fundamental differences that I think you really need to understand if you're going to try to, like, come back here, mm-hmm. and I think that it is interesting to me uh, to take what was in the first addition, because there was a lot of it that I just kind of rewrote or repurposed or whatever. And, but did put a, this different spin on it, both politically Mm -hmm. and kind of conceptually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of fun. And then I took that kind of concept and said, okay, well, first of all, what did our original, like, what is number one adventure did? Mm
2: -hmm. What,
1: what did number one adventure do? Okay, uh, what did the first one do? And then took that and said, okay, how do I take that and spin it into a larger plot? Mm-hmm. And so I talked with MK who who wrote both some stuff about some of the uh, lands in general, mm-hmm. of some of the monarchies, and also the first adventure. And we had a chat about everything that I could do with what they had already done. And Mm -hmm. then I had to go and talk to Michele who wrote the next adventure and go, okay, what are you planning? So I can kind of mold this like uh, conjoin point A to point C with this B in the middle that also feels like its own personal adventure. Right. That is a standalone thing that it could you could just pull and do on your own if you wanted. And mm-hmm. so that was a really interesting and challenging, but I really enjoyed it because it felt it felt really cool, especially because I, I don't know if I should spoil like the I, I guess I won't. I'm not spoiling anything. It okay. was really cool to create a running plot thread of a revealing secret and a growing threat. Yeah. So barely introduced in the first adventure introduced in, in force in the second adventure, and then, you know, pull off the mask and it is now a dangerous threat in the third adventure and joining those threads together into a cohesive, you know, three part unit was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we could say without spoiling anything that um, the main thread of The Three Adventures is a conspiracy that slowly gets uncovered. Yes. Um, which, again, thematically plays really well with uh, the cats as they are presented because mm-hmm. it, it, it gives you a reason to engage the politics, it, 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 a very strong reason to do intrigue. But now there's a thing that you're all collectively working against, which is this conspiracy. Uh, so it's less vague, and it's more kind of, okay, now we're going to tactically apply our political intrigue towards a very specific goal. And it's a heroic goal, that. Right. Cool, yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited about this. I mean, I, I've i been very happy with with all the the drafts I've seen so far. Um, it, it really helps that Lauren's done a lot of the heavy lifting on that. So basically, how it's been working is, uh, um, Lauren pretty much talked with the team. And I talked through Lauren, uh, and that was something that we discussed ahead of time, because especially since this is my world, what I did want to have happen is if we're both talking to the team, that I didn't want to get a mommy-daddy situation where mm-hmm, Lauren mm-hmm. would say something. They didn't yeah. like the answer, and they'd come to me instead. Uh, so um, I, I, I was very clear that's why I wanted to do that way. But then… Lauren would just say, kind of hand me, like, the, the the red lines and the development drafts and and discussions, and we would talk over things, and, like, 95% of the time, I was like, honestly, that was either the decision I would have made or a better decision than one I was thinking. Um, mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I, I would like, say, no, let's go this direction instead. Um, but most times, it was Lauren going, I'm not sure which way to go with this. Uh, and we would just talk it out. Like, I, th- I think the biggest uh, discussion we had was... Um, uh, just due to miscommunication, um, uh, the the uh, team naturally said, okay, for magic spells, uh, we because we already have existing Pugmire spells, we don't have to. We did Mummer's Mountain, basically reprint those, so we can make all new spells. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be completely new. We can, uh, 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 you know, lay it out as we see fit. Um, but it's like there should be there are three spellcasting callings here, and so all of them should have a kind of a rough spread of new stuff, and I think that piece was, was missing, as we talked about earlier. So as, as Dixie kind of discussed, okay, this is what the five needs to be. Um, so I think that was kind of the biggest discussion we had, because Lauren was like, okay, so how does that look, and how you want to divide this up, and whatnot? Because that was a more of the, I have a certain mechanical spread I'm looking at. Uh, uh, because one of the, the other thing changes I wanted to make was that cats. I just step step back um, one thing i'm always careful of is design creep it's a very common thing to do in long running games where each new book improves on the previous book to a point where the latest book is always tactically the best book to use because it is mechanically superior to everything that came previous to it uh, and since i was Redoing this new edition, I wanted to avoid that, but I always knew cats were going to always have access to magic because that's a lot of how we see cats is that they're Mm -hmm. mystical in some way. Um, So it's like, how do I keep the magic spells from being just better than Pugmire spells? And so one of the things we really want to emphasize more is the fact that cat magic is much more explosive, sometimes literally. Mm -hmm. Um, They're a little more, they're a little better on damage, but also they tend to blow up in your face a bit more. Uh, so that was something that we had to kind of talk through the balance of that because Lauren knew it's what I wanted, but Lauren wanted to make sure that she wasn't making t- mechanical decisions that would take us down a path because of uh, my big, bigger vision of the game line. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that we ended up really talking about. In terms of like, the actual setting and whatnot, Lauren, you, you gave very strong direction, I thought, and I was very happy with a lot of that direction. And I'll let her talk it words next next game session next game session. Wow. <laughs> next episode. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> about running the game. It's already in my head. It's all a game. You're
1: always running the game in your head.
0: That's true. That really is true. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, if you were a fan of Monarchies of Mal, I think there's going to be a lot for you to see in Curious Cats of Mal. Because it really is just an expansion of everything. Uh, we We crammed a lot in there but there's there's very little we took out everything is that plus more i feel um if you didn't pick up monarchism out and you said hey i've been thinking about playing punk mark but i want to play cats this is definitely the book to look at yep. uh because anything you could want for a cat is going to be in there um we're not and i think that's so i pull from other books because we'll make sure that this is the one book you go to it's like here it is. There's all the source training you need. Here's the character creation rules you need. Everything you need to play a cat is in this book. Uh, we're not doing this multiple game lines thing anymore, so you have one place to go. Uh, and if you just... Because you get caught up or uh, distracted by everything going on in the tabletop playing space last year and you missed Realms of Pugmire, now it's good, this campaign's also a good time to go back and look into it again. Uh, we'll have some things that you can look at to pick up the book when it gets out. We'll have access to uh, the latest version of the manuscript because you need it to play this version of the game. Uh, so if, if you just missed it last January and you want to actually now is a good time to go look into it, definitely consider Curious Cats as a way to kind of get back on that train as it continues to move forward. Uh, so thank you both for coming and hanging out with me and talking about this. Uh, danielle if people wanted to find you online to talk to you about your adventure or all the uh history stuff you wrote where they find you
1: i'm always i'm on the onyx path discord and you can probably talk to me in the pathcast channel i might also check the realms of pugmire channel uh specifically after this episode just to see if you have anything you want to say and uh all across the internet i am at
0: impernius and uh, Dixie, if people want to ask you questions about their character, wherever they find you.
2: They <laughs> find me pretty much everywhere at Dixie Cyanide. Also, the the void is creeping up on me right now and looking very ominous. Uh, so I think <laughs> she wants me to stop recording soon. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you find me pretty much all over the place. Same place you can find Danielle, only at Dixie Cyanide, not in Pernius. Uh And also, you know, in the Discord, hanging out. Happy to talk about... Uh, Siberian or Rex or the sneaky One Piece reference I put in there. You know, which <laughs> which Rich didn't catch, by the way, because I asked him about it. Because you were talking oh, about One wow. Piece the other day, he didn't catch wow.
0: it. Wow, wow, <laughs> good job, <laughs> good job.
2: My favorite red line that I got on this was Eddie saying, "I I I see your One Piece reference and I accept it," or something like that. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, Cause, because
2: cause I. I, I will slide things in there, but I'm pretty good at being subtle about them.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And that's 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 always one of the most fun parts on a uh, on a Pugmire book of any kind is to try to put in like a little joke, but it can't be any of the obvious jokes. Or put right. in like a little reference, but it can't be an obvious reference. Like I'm not putting Thundercats references in there, you know what I'm saying?
0: Right, yeah. And, and we, <laughs> that was one of the early discussions we had as a team it was like, okay, the red dot joke, it's already been done. It's over here in this part of the canon. Yep. you don't need to do it anymore. And I'm the one that got to do it. <laughs> you need the one that got to do it. You, you put your paw on it early on. So that's <laughs> the canonical red dot joke. <laughs> uh and as for me, um uh like my colleagues here, definitely you can find me on the uh, Onyx Path Discord. Um I, I'm generally always checking out the Pugmire channel. Uh um, but also on the website. Uh if, if I happen to see your comment, I'll certainly. Way in and ask. I'm also on the forums, answering questions, although the forums don't get much use lately. You can find me anywhere as PugSteady. Uh, that's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. That's my website, social media. That is now my Patreon, too. If you want to get realms of Pugmire Fiction, um, I'm now starting to do that on Patreon. So if you want even more of this stuff outside of the tabletop role-playing game, uh, you can come check me out there. So... Uh, If you love cats, if you love role-playing, please check out uh, the Backer Kit campaign. I would really appreciate it if you could spread the word. Uh, And so I hope to see you there. And as always, many worlds unpacked.